resurrection assembly of God. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. The 20th of March, 2022. Today's scriptures are Psalm 139, Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, and Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. The Lord is near. Is near us. He is near to us. That's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how the Lord is near to us. This is not just a piece of information. It is, of course, good to know. And it can provide more than a little comfort to know that God is near to us. It is not, however, merely a good bit of information. It is also a calling. We are called to recognize the presence of God. We are called to see and feel that God is always with us. Kids, this is for you too. God is with you. God is with us. We just read a passage in Sunday school this morning from Matthew where it says, His name shall be Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with us. Praise the Lord. We are in our 40-day fast. As you've heard many times over already, we are fasting Friday lunches to remember Christ's death for the 40 days leading up to Easter. We are also fasting from fear for 40 days. Whatever makes you afraid, fast from that. And while you're at it, just fast from fear more generally. Say to those overwhelming emotions when the darkness presses in on us, get thee behind me, Satan. Amen. One of the most profound ways we can deal with fear and anxiety and worry is simply to recognize the presence of God. We sang some songs about this this morning. I hope you were paying attention to the words you were, you were singing. God is always with us. That psalm that we read earlier, Psalm 139 says, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I send to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, that's the grave, you are there. If I take the wind, wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall guide me, your right hand shall hold me. For on the moon, God is with us. For six feet under, God is with us. And if you're in the middle of the ocean, without a life raft, even there, God's hand shall hold us. God is with us. He is with us no matter where we are or what we experience. And he holds, and, and this holds true even when we are afraid. The other passage we read this morning might be an allegory of our lives in this world. The disciples were with Jesus in a boat. Dustin read this passage. A storm came, and they thought they were going to die. But Jesus, he was sleeping right through it. He woke up, and he spoke peace to the storm. He was there the whole time. They were never actually in danger. Jesus was there, and he was in control. And we can and need to, and we can learn to recognize 
that Jesus never leaves us, even when, and perhaps especially when we're afraid of dying. The Lord is near. Let me now take us to our main passage for the sermon this morning. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Page 923. Drama, you good? Okay. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. That's the word of the Lord. You know, Pastor Abby told me uh, that when she was a kid, uh, she was invited to memorize that passage, and she still holds it in her heart to this day because, you know, memorizing some scripture can do you a lot of good, and when you memorize uh, something, it never leaves you. It's like chiseled into your brain and engraved on your heart. So maybe uh, this week you can memorize just verses 8 and 9. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just and pure and lovely and commendable, think about such things. So there, this passage says what I'm getting at bluntly. The Lord is with us. It says in verse 5, Paul says, the Lord is at hand, which means the Lord is near. So let's take a moment to unpack this before we move on to learning how to practice the presence of God. I want to begin by unpacking the phrase, the Lord is near, because I think that the meaning of this phrase is not singular, but double. What does it mean that the Lord is at hand? What does it mean that the Lord is near? First, it means that the Lord is at hand in a chronological sense, like time-wise, the Lord is near. We've always got to remember that Jesus is coming back. This is the future event that we look forward to. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. This should comfort us. Time is running out before Jesus comes back. He will appear. The Bible says the night is far gone. Salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Time. The Lord is near to us in terms of time. That's the first meaning. But he's also near to us in terms of space. 
That's the second meaning. God is here with us in this room right now. We do well to acknowledge his presence. How near is the Lord to us even now? Well, what does the passage say? It says, rejoice in the Lord always. You know, it says that we should rejoice. So I recommend that you do that. And it says that we should rejoice in the Lord. If it says that we should rejoice in the Lord, that means we are in the Lord. You know, this is all over the Bible. It's all over the New Testament. It's all over the letters of Paul. The Bible says over and over again that we are in Christ. Think of it like this. Think of it like jumping into a pool of water. To be in water, to truly be in water, means to be submerged, to be enveloped. The water isn't just touching all of your skin. It's in between your toes. If you don't close your eyes, the water will, will rush in. Be careful, because chlorine can stink. God's presence is love, which may sting only if we are averse to it. The presence of God is touching all of our skin, and it's in between our toes. Kids, think about this summer when you're going to jump into a pool of water. And if you're not going to do that, then look forward to the day when we're going to have a dunk tank on the front lawn, and Mr. Jesse is going to be sitting on a perch in that dunk tank, and you're going to throw a softball at the paddle, and you're going to dunk him. And Jesse will be submerged in water. The water will be all over his skin, and the water will be in between his toes. The presence of God is even there in between our toes. If that thought makes you recoil even a little bit, let's not forget that Jesus commands us to let him wash our feet. By the way, I already said it in the announcements, but get baptized if you're not already and feel God's life envelop you even as the water does. To be in Christ is like getting submerged in water. It's also like being in the wind. We don't know where it's coming from. We don't know where it's going. But we are in it. We are in the presence of God. Like the wind, it rushes over our ears so we can hear its whistle. We breathe it in so that we are not just in the wind. The wind is also in us. It flaps our clothes a little bit, especially here in Iowa. It gets between every single strand of your hair. Think about God's presence when you feel the wind going over your head. The Bible says that God knows how many hairs are on our heads. So when the wind blows through it, that's just the Holy Spirit counting. If you don't have much hair on your head, the Holy Spirit can count it just a little faster than the rest of us. And he still knows how many you have on your head, so that 
you can still think about it, is my point. To be in the presence of God means that we are not just in it. The presence of God is also in us, like breath in our lungs. To be in the presence of God is like getting submerged in water. It's like being in the wind. It's also, to, it's also like being in fire. The Bible says that our God is an all-consuming fire. That's in the book of Hebrews. It's a chilling passage, or should I say, a fiery one. You know, the church is the people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit and in fire. Did you know that? And so to be in the presence of God is to be on fire with his presence. It's to feel him burning on the outside, but also on the inside. Our hearts are set aflame with his love day by day, even as we walk the road to his kingdom like those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and the scriptures were open to them. And yet, God is closer to us than even water can be, or wind, or fire. The Bible says elsewhere, he is the one in whom we live and move and have our being. He's not just with us in our existence. He's the ground of our existence. The Bible says he holds all things together. You know, maybe the only reason we don't all spontaneously combust is because Jesus holds us together. We come here to this table here every Sunday to eat, as Jesus said himself, his body and his blood. When we eat food, any food, our bodies metabolize the, cal the calories. The food literally becomes part of us. That is how close God is to us. He is the bread and the wine suffusing into our body and giving us not just energy for the day, he is energizing us to eternal life. That's the power that will bring us back from the dead. The Lord is near. Recognize him. Settle into his presence and do that over and over and over again. Anytime you start feeling detached from the presence of God, come back to it. You know, Christians have said it over and over again throughout the centuries that God is never far from us. He is always near to us. And when we feel like God is far from us, all we have to do is bring to mind that he actually is near and we become aware of it again. It takes some practice to always be aware of God's presence in every moment of your life, but you can do it. I've been practicing this. I think I'm getting a little bit better at it, though I'm still learning. And you'll find, if you start practicing this, that even in the most peculiar moments throughout your day, you're like, oh, God is with me. I never thought about that while I was at Aldi's. So God is with us. Now that we've established that we are, in fact, in God's presence and what that might look and feel like. Let's now 
talk about putting into practice the, the presence of God. And to do that, we need to go back to Philippians 4, the passage that we already read. The passage we read says, do not be anxious about anything. In other words, don't be fearful of anything. And then it says, but in everything, pray with thanksgiving, and the peace of God which transcends understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is a command that Paul gives to us that has a resulting promise. The Bible says, don't be anxious about anything, pray with thanksgiving, and, here's the promise, you will have peace. Peace that transcends understanding. So how do we not be anxious about anything? And how do we learn to pray about everything with thanksgiving, to follow this command so we can have the promise? Well, check out verse 8. This is the part I recommend you at least memorize this part. You can memorize the whole thing, but this is the good part. The Bible says in verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is the path to not being anxious about anything. This is the path to practicing the presence of God. Think about whatever is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. Set your mind on these things. Meditate on honorable, just, pure, and lovely things. Focus on honorable, just, pure, and lovely things. Maybe you might even start obsessing about honorable, just, pure, and lovely things. That's what we're to do, but let me dig a little deeper here. What are these things? What is honorable, just, pure, and lovely? I think, honestly, perhaps we should ask first, who? Who is honorable, just, pure, and lovely? Of course, God is. God is honorable. He doesn't abuse us or lie to us. God is just. He will make things right when they're not. Who is pure? No one is pure but God. Who is lovely? God is lovely. He is beauty. He is delight. Think about these things. To focus on the God who is all of these things is already to recognize and practice the presence of God. But, of course, we don't stop at just who. We also can still ask what, like the Bible says, what, whatever things are. There are all sorts of honorable, just, pure, and lovely things in God's good creation. So we can open our eyes a bit. Open your eyes. Did you know there's trees out there? And birds? And water? And human beings? Look at all the little humans in our church. The Spirit led them in, just as I was about to say that. Look at all the little humans in our church. They're all lovely and good. They are, in fact, the church's beloved children, and we're very pleased with them. All of those things are lovely. All of creation is charged with the grandeur of God. What is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, 
excellent and worthy of praise. We need to identify situations, moments, people, circumstances, relationships where we can see and recognize and celebrate the honor, justice, purity, loveliness, and excellence of God at work. God is, in fact, at work. The problem is, is that, you know, if no one else, the news agencies only focus on what is dishonorable, they only focus on what is unjust, they only focus on impurity and ugliness and things that are of not good report. There is a war in Ukraine. What if they followed it up by saying, and 3,000 trees were planted? There's even better things than that, but, you know. I'm going to move on. Many of us, too many of us, and I, I, I genuinely include myself in this, we've been trained for too long to look at this world in horror rather than in delight. Remember what Paul says. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, pray with thanksgiving. When we start focusing on things that are beautiful and of good report, we're praying. Because to pray is to recognize and converse with God about his goodness. And when we recognize goodness, we are praying with thanksgiving. That's the command that we're supposed to do. Then, Paul says, then, here's the promise, the peace of God which transcends understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, let's remember this today. God is near to us. We can learn to recognize and put his presence into practice. God is near us, and there is nowhere we can go where he is not near us. Where shall we go from his spirit? If we ascend into the heavens, he is there. If we go down to the grave, he is there. If we take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there his hand shall lead us, his right hand will hold us. Let us not forget, especially today, that when we are afraid, God is with us. When the storm is raging, when we think we might die, God is there. He has been there the whole time. And if we say, like the psalm said, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be as night, even the darkness is not dark to God. The night is bright as day to him because darkness is as light. God is closer to us than we are even to ourselves. I mean, how many of us know how many head hairs are on our heads? God knows. I don't know. We don't know how we were formed in our mother's womb. God knows. In fact, he's the one who formed us. He searches us. He knows us. He knows even when we sit down and when we rise up because he is always with us. He is acquainted with all of our ways. I pray, I pray that this wonderful knowledge will overwhelm us so we can face today and we can face tomorrow and the next day until he is no longer far from us. 
chronologically until his kingdom comes. In closing, we are about to eat this meal. Remember, as we eat it, that this is the meal of Christ's presence. As we eat, consider how you are in Christ, and he has made his dwelling in us. That's how close he is. Amen. Will the uh, team come on back up? Whoever is...